0: Hey, welcome to the Virtual CISO Chronicles, a podcast about cybersecurity, entrepreneurship, and business. Each week, I interview an expert working in the field of security. I'm your host, Caroline McCaffrey, one of the co-founders of ClearUps, a full lifecycle vendor management program software. For years, as the general counsel for various startups, I suffered from what I call the security questionnaire problem. So one day, I figured that if no one else was solving it, I would. I started this podcast much the same way and then I went running one day and tried to find a podcast on cybersecurity, entrepreneurship, and business, and I couldn't find any. So just like how I started Clear Apps, I thought I would start my own podcast. Our guest today is Mark Kirsten. Kirstein, sorry. Thank you for joining me and welcome to the podcast.
1: Yep. Welcome. Thanks.
0: I always ask the same question to get started, which... You know, I know your background, but the audience doesn't. So please just give us a little bit about your background and where your passion for cybersecurity came from.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah. So uh, long, interesting path that got me to where I'm at now. Uh, started off as a computer engineering. Actually, probably my biggest claim to fame on the computer engineering side is I uh, designed the chipset that drove the computer for the Boeing 777. Uh, That's cool. so- if anybody's flying on Boeing airplanes, because they've now retrofitted that uh, that computer system into all the Boeing airplanes and most of the Airbus airplanes as well, uh, you're probably sitting on top of something that might still have survived, have survived from 35 <laughs> years ago. You never know in aerospace. <laughs> um, sure. But, you know, I, I parlayed that into market research, which in the technology industry, which uh, kind of set me on a path of doing consulting for clients to help them figure out what's happening in the technology industry, where do they need to pay attention, how do they win, how do they be successful in it. Uh, You know, they did that for a number of years, uh, both as a standalone business. I grew a business to about $15.5 million, sold it, uh, you know, went to work in other capacities for a few years. Uh, And then ended up uh, doing sales consulting, you know, also in the tech industry. And one of my clients was a cybersecurity uh, company and CEO of the cybersecurity company. Really successful. Uh, A lot of entrepreneur startups and exits, et cetera. Uh, He did great in the consulting and coaching that I did from a sales standpoint. But by the time we developed our relationship, I said, I got to join you. This cybersecurity stuff is, is really cool. And it turns out the combination of you know, uh, consulting background and engineering degree, and then I got my CISSP, so they had you know, even more depth in the cybersecurity realm, that the, that was a good combination. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we grew that business and sold it. Uh, and now I'm looking at the next new thing, which is uh, focused on privacy and, and uh, AI governance.
0: And you recently Sorry. got your CIPP?
1: CIPP, yes. Yeah. CIPP in the U.S. and still... Uh, You know, kind of assimilating, you know, as your background as a lawyer, you you can attest uh, it was very interesting because it was so much heavier into the legal field and the law compared to the CISSP that is much more oriented around technology and, and, uh, you know, cybersecurity, obviously, and governance and those type of things. But at the same time, very tech oriented. The CIPP is very legal oriented.
0: Mm, That's true. Yeah, it's probably why so many it's probably well it might, it might i don't know which one came first so chicken and egg problem whether it's the lawyers came in and made it more legal oriented or the it was so legal oriented and right you know based on the law that lawyers jumped in <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. but, right um and so you're still my favorite obviously kind of guest a, a big connection to cybersecurity because you can't have privacy without cybersecurity. and in the ai side which also overlaps very heavy into privacy you know, it, it just introduces a whole nother layer on the cybersecurity side for AI as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what I was going to say is you're you're literally my favorite kind of guest because you you fit all the things I wanted to talk about on this podcast, which is business, cybersecurity, and entrepreneurship. You're a multiple-time entrepreneur yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, where's that passion come from?
1: I don't know I think once you've uh, you've started and run your own business uh, that passion I, I think it's twofold one is the autonomy and ability to step into a void where the market has things that are going on and you recognize them and you can fill that that need in behalf of the market and at the same time grow a business that has some uh, potential for you to be you know part of that of, of that business community uh, that's attractive but I I Also, would say the other piece, which has been a constant my entire career, is I am addicted to learning. And so, you know, just you know, from the market research side where I just would learn new markets and learn things very quickly and adapt to them to, you know, doing cybersecurity to now doing privacy and AI. It's you know, you just gotta learn. And although you may not have the depth that people who've been in this for decades have. You have a different perspective because you've got so much breadth and you've seen so many different things and your the naivete actually can help you sometimes in the business world because you don't know better than to pursue some things that people who've been there for decades might have overlooked
0: absolutely and i actually was going to say if he doesn't say something about being a constant learner i'm going to bring it up because it's quite clear in your background from developing, you know, the chips you said at, at Boeing to market research. I mean, it's it's a it's a varied background, but yet you have a it's kind of a clear path that you see that you took. Um in business. So you've you've helped with sales, you said you've done consulting, mm-hmm. but you've also marketing research. It is part of marketing is, and then you said you did sales consulting and then you joined a company and they did very well and they, they sold, right? That's what you said. Yeah. Um, I've uh,
1: I've participated in two exits so far.
0: Sounds like they were good exits. Yeah. Um, What would you say is the hardest part about running your own business?
1: I don't know if if I'd characterize it as the hardest part. It's just a different, world because you have to do pretty much everything in the early stages you're Mm
2: -hmm. you know you're
1: not just relying on your expertise in one particular category but you got to say all right i also have to figure out how to do the accounting have to figure out how to do the marketing i have to figure out how to like you know incorporate businesses you know uh, if, if you have a client or an activity that needs to be done there is no resources or staff to go out and do it so you know, that's both a positive and a negative, you know, but it's, but it's very, very different than if you have a team of 60 people or 100 people where you can delegate things and you've got resources and you, you, you're you looking and you go, okay, how am I going to allocate this project or this task to my team as opposed to there's nobody there? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. All right, how am I going to get this done? I can hire it out, you know, and obviously you've got cash Flow that you're always thinking about. I don't know if "word" is the right right way of characterizing it. If you if you're capitalized, but at the same time you you hire it out or you do it yourself. There's not right. a resource to allocate to.
0: Yeah, and then figuring out what's best what's the best use of your time, either doing it mm-hmm. yourself or hiring it out, can be very tricky for most people. Yeah. So you recently got the privacy certification. We touched on that a little bit. Talk talk a little bit more about what got you interested in now. Pursuing the
1: path of privacy and AI. Well, I, I think what I see in the in the case of privacy first, they are they are different. They overlap. They're you know, they're, but AI is much bigger. I mean, it's like mm. AI is is like the internet wave coming at us again, uh, in in a very profound way, going to change virtually everything that we're that we're used to. Uh, so start with start with privacy. Is it's somewhat of an extension of the cybersecurity. Where I got to take the security that I did, but I also have to live up to all the regulations as far as consumer rights, notifications, you know, managing their records, keeping track of it, and there are so many small and medium businesses that just aren't prepared to do these type of things yet. You know, the larger companies, uh, you know, who've been in the consumer—if you touch the consumer, then you are really much more applicable to the privacy realm. Uh, Larger companies have been doing it for a long time, especially the financial companies. They've been regulated for decades. They know how this stuff works. They're still adapting to new things that are coming along. But if you now look at what what's happened in the last you know, five to 10 years, uh, 10 years, give or take GDPR coming in and mm-hmm. saying, okay, you're going to have to do this. And oh, by the way, it doesn't matter whether you're in Europe or not. If you have European consumers in your database, you are subject to GDPR. Right. Uh, and with very very significant uh, fines and and consequences for violations but now there's a wave of states that are passing the laws we still haven't got as much at the federal level but the states are coming in one by one led by california with the ccpa and cpra regulations again just like europe you don't have to be doing business in california directly if you have people residents in california in your data you're subject to the California rules as long as you're bigger than some certain revenue thresholds. But it's spreading across the country. You know, Colorado has, has a, a relatively new statute. You know, Virginia has a relatively new statute and, you know, there's most of the States have either adopted broad privacy statutes or, narrow niche by niche by niche. So the privacy is simply now reaching a level where the small and medium businesses can't ignore it. They have to say, all right, how am I going to, you know, become compliant? And if I don't become compliant, how am I going to pay the, you know, multi-million dollar fines that potentially would come out of non-compliance and then comes along artificial intelligence with the same, although bigger implications of, you know, Hey, there are rules and regulations coming. There's some that are already on the books in the sense of biometrics and automatic decision making that's already, you know, kind of AI related that is already on the books, but there's even broader, you know, regulations coming down the pipe.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: in the meantime, all the companies are looking around going, all right, I see this AI wave and I need to do something about it. And how do I do it in a way where whatever solution that I bring to market? I might bring an AI solution to market myself, or I might simply adopt an AI solution from one of my software vendors and incorporate it into my business model. Either way, if you're not adopting AI in a, in the capacity that's going to keep you on the right side of the regulators and on on the uh, you know the compliance, and you know not just from a legal standpoint, but also from an ethical standpoint and a professional business standpoint. You know, do I know what I'm getting myself into? Have, have I weighed the risks? Have I have I done a deliberate path to say, yes, I have to adopt AI into my business, but I also have to understand what the risks are and what the legal reg- regulations are so I can become compliant? Again, yeah. from an entrepreneurial standpoint, great opportunity for both the AI companies participating as well as an entrepreneur like myself looking to help companies get into that market from a technology industry and cybersecurity standpoint you know there's always going to be a certain element i'm sure most people in the cybersecurity world feel the same way that i do once you get into this world there's an altruism like when when you become aware of your clients or your potential clients or p- your friends who are victims of cybersecurity attacks and their businesses are are crippled or you know they're they're cheated out of hundreds of thousands of dollars you just start to go, well, you know what, I just want to help. I want to help the world.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I like the I like the um approach that you have of of jumping right in because I, I do think sometimes in security we're not necessarily the biggest fans of new technology. <laughs> um, because it brings so many more risks that we have to deal with. But I like the fact that you are are jumping right in. So tell us what you can about your your new business, your new venture.
1: Right. So you know, we're really in the early stages. You know, it, I, I suspect that what we do, in fact, our, our plan of, of how we're approaching the market is similar to things that I've done in the past, which is really uh, helping to stand up a privacy and AI governance uh, platform or operation on behalf of our small and medium businesses. That might be a comprehensive solution where we start from you know, the very beginning point and implement the entire program start to finish or it might be more of a piecemeal. Uh, you know, my experience is that some clients want just a piecemeal, please come in, do a data privacy impact assessment for me. Good, I'm done. I've, I've got what I needed, I, I get to move on. Uh, other clients are like, you know what, I, I know that I'm subject to these regulations, I'm not exactly sure how or yeah. why, but help me stand up an entire program in which case you have to do, you know, a risk assessment is very, very similar to the, you know, what many of your audience is probably familiar with, you know, a risk assessment or gap assessment. Here's what I'm trying to be compliant with. Here's where I'm at now. Here's where where I'm missing. You know, how how do these characterize in terms of regulations? How do they characterize in terms of risks and controls yeah. that I need to put in place to make sure that I'm, that I'm meeting these? And then that becomes a risk register that says, okay, these are the 17 things that i need to do let's put it onto a schedule let's put it in a system and a process to actually remediate or put controls around each one of these risks so that i have an operational uh, program and all of that's backed up by policies and procedures so that you have the documentation that you can prove to a regulator or a SOC 2 audit if you if you're talking in the cybersecurity security realm uh, prove to a third party that you're doing the things that you said that you were going to do
2: mm-hmm.
1: and now that you've got all the controls in place, you've got the policies and procedures in place, you know, now I need to make it work. And that's the hardest part because this is change management. This is, you know, organizations operate without these things and now you're asking them to do things differently and you're asking them to follow this procedure and this process and it doesn't come easily. So that's where the change management comes is when you're operationalizing the things that you endeavor to do and you have to get people to change their behaviors on a regular basis and adapt it and, and have it become part of their day-to-day business operations so that, you know, you get the benefits. Because the only way you get the benefits of a cybersecurity program, a privacy program, a governance is if you're actually doing it. And exactly. once you're doing it, now you have that capacity to be able to say, okay, if I first off, ideally, I never have a problem and everything's run smoothly. But if I do have a problem, I know how my incident response program is going to work. I know how my breach notification program is going to work. I know how my disaster recovery program is going to work because it's all documented and it's been tested at some level. I'm going to learn new lessons when it does happen. But not only can I step through that in a very planned and rigorous basis, but in the aftermath of some type of an incident or a scenario, if those regulators or third parties are coming knocking on my door and saying, hey, you weren't doing what you were supposed to do. You get to go back and you go, well, wait, wait a minute, look, here's my program, here's my policies, here's my processes, here's my operations, here's how it was. Even, you know, we all know, as good as you do, you can still have a breach. An employee can make a mistake, you can get a zero-day compromise, things things can happen that you are out of your control. When it comes to being accountable and liable for the results of that, Having documented policy process system in place reduces your liability significantly, so it's just more risk management. Like, how do I make sure that my risks are under control?
0: Absolutely. And the last thing you want if you suffer through a breach and have to go through notifications to customers or users is to also have to go through um, a, a regulator's uh, inquiries and processes on that front too and it also doubles your
1: your uh, yes. potential. Carolyn let uh, me loss. let me share an interesting story with you. Sure. As as I'm studying for the CIPP exam, examine, one of the case studies about the FTC taking legal action against a company for violating uh, you know some cybersecurity and HIPAA HIPAA laws
2: mm-hmm.
1: was a client that I worked with and came that came to us for oh, help really? on their cybersecurity. <laughs> Why did they come to us? Because the FTC was, <laughs> was investigating them <laughs> for this breach. So it was really interesting to to say, okay, I already have firsthand knowledge of this company and what that's happened so and how. And, and you know, we put in place their cybersecurity program that would meet the FTC requirement. But then to be studying for the CIPP exam and see that exact company on their list of things that I'm supposed to memorize, like that's kind of <laughs> cool.
0: <laughs> but it's kind of cool and probably made a little easier to study. Um, so do I hear you correctly that your new business, and first of all, yeah, I don't know if you've told the audience the name of it yet.
1: Yeah, the new business is Privacy MSP. Uh, we are not, um, you know, the website's still in, under development, so we're not completely operational at this stage, but, you know, I'm, uh, I'm kind of far enough so that I'm starting to talk publicly about it.
0: Great. And you said, it sounds like you're targeting SMB as your customer mm-hmm. base. Yep. Uh, you have other people working with you.
1: Yeah, I've got uh, some other people on the team, both well, direct uh, part, participants as well as uh, you know people that we've hired as part of our contract and, and supplier base. Uh, no, none of that is is public record at this stage.
0: Sure, understood. And then I, I like the name Privacy MSP. I'm curious as to why you chose MSP because that's such a uh, associated so much with technical controls. Um, what do you, what is what was the thought process behind the name?
1: Well, you know, I, I guess it fits from two standpoints. One, uh, just if you take the term and disassociate it with what we we associate directly with, which, which is managed service provider.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: you know, we we think of a managed service provider as an IT company that's helping small and medium businesses uh, in the IT world. Uh, which of of course that is the common terminology of it, but in a generic sense, it fits just as well in the privacy space where, you know, we, we help small and medium businesses on an outsourced basis in the privacy realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then secondly, you know, I've been and continue to be part of the MSP community for a number of years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so we've got a lot of relationships and our experience in the cybersecurity realm is many of them are working hard and they're very good on the technical control side. Uh, they're maybe not as adept on the compliance and governance side as far as, you know, operationalizing and changing business behavior and the consulting aspect on the on the cybersecurity, but then but also on the privacy. And like right. I, I talked about before, you know, cybersecurity fits them pretty tightly. is even a step further away from their core expertise. And they deal with a lot of SMB businesses. So for us. The potential of, uh, of partnering and aligning with you know, managed service providers who are providing IT services seems like a, a pretty good marriage.
0: I mean, it, it does seem like a perfect marriage uh, to me. Um, in in terms of, I have spoken to many people who are customers of MSPs, and they do ask them for help. You know, my business is security questionnaires. They ask them for help with things like security questionnaires, but the MSPs aren't set up for that type of uh, right of help. Well, so.
1: And you may see this already, or or maybe it's kind of integrated when you talk about security questionnaires. But the same scenario that is happening in cybersecurity for questionnaires is going to be or already happening in privacy and AI. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the things that we, you know, are are looking at in the AI realm is you absolutely have to monitor and maintain awareness and and compliance, if you will, with your vendors.
2: Yep. Your your
1: yep. AI vendors are now part of your data ecosystem and they have to do things or else you end up with liabilities.
0: Absolutely. In fact, I mean, I've always said that ClearOps is a privacy and security company. Um, so we always have supported the privacy side with gap assessments and PIs and things like that. Um, <clears throat> what I think is interesting in the... AI context is exactly what you're saying. Responsible responsible AI and assessments in AI is is, uh, clearly part of many companies, like Microsoft has a responsible AI whole disclosure set and and toolkit actually that it it provides Mm -hmm. to companies, which is super interesting and useful. Um, So I love that this is what you're doing. It's close to my heart, so of course I do. (laughs) Um, That being said though, we are running short on time, which I can't believe because I could talk to you about this forever. Uh, but I do have a couple of quick fire questions for you.
1: Okay, fire away.
0: <laughs> okay, first one: favorite business, entrepreneurship, security, privacy, AI book or podcast or something that you would recommend to our listeners.
1: Uh, favorite AI? Say it. Say the question again.
0: A book or a podcast or a website that you would recommend to our listeners who are interested in these spaces that you're interested in.
1: Right. Well, many of them are very dry, meaning you know, studying for the CIPP <laughs> sure. or or those type of things. I'll I'll, uh, I'll bridge to the more uh, fun and compelling one is the coming wave, which is one that I'm reading right now on AI. Mm-hmm. is from uh, one of the founders of of uh, Deep Mind. Okay. Oh, uh, and again, we've we've we all have heard if if you want to call it the hype, whether whether it's hype or reality, I don't know. This gentleman is certainly calling out the alarm clock to say, hey, look, AI is transformational. Every aspect of the economy, every aspect of our political world, of our personal world is going to be impacted and we need to be responsible with how we do it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Okay, I'm going to throw you a softball one and also a self-promotional one, which is where can people who are listening find you?
1: Oh, yeah, that's that's an easy one Uh, uh, mark at privacy.msp.com and also on the Internet. Just, you know, uh, I'm sorry, on LinkedIn, just type in my name. Love love to connect with people who have common interests and uh, and fellow travelers, as I would characterize them.
0: Well, I I'm very much looking forward to seeing where Privacy MSP goes. Uh, It's obvious, like I said, topic close to my heart, Um, but Mark, we've run out of time. So thank you for joining us today. And if you are listening to this podcast, you can find all of our podcasts on Substack and Apple Podcast at the Security Expert Marketplace. Mark, I, I really want to check in with you in like six months and do another podcast and see where you go because I think this is this is a great topic.
1: That'd be terrific. I appreciate it, Carolyn.
0: All right, talk to you soon.